Numbers chapter 16, we're going to continue in our series of Conquering Through Christ. Conquer Through Christ. Last week, last Sunday morning, we spent some time looking at a superior relationship. And I know that is a difficulty in a lot of ways. For most of us, we like to have the best relationship that we can have. And um, it's a bit difficult, but the Lord gives us a way to have a superior relationship. And we said this, conquering can only take place when you have a superior relationship. We looked at the supplier recognized. If we're going to have a superior relationship, we must recognize who our supplier is. And that, in this case, and in all cases, should be God. And then number two, we looked at sins need to be rectified. And uh, this is the... Uh, one nobody likes. We don't like our sins being brought up before anybody. But nonetheless, our sins need to be rectified. And there was a point in which we looked at that. And then number three, separation needs to be remembered. And I gave everyone a blue ribbon last week. And I hope you did something with that. I hope you'll uh, keep that. And I hope it'll remember, help you to remember that the Lord is your God. And he wants you to be his people. This week I want to preach to you a message, the scrutiny of division. The scrutiny of division. You're in Numbers chapter 16. I'd like you to begin reading with me in verse 1. The Bible says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, Men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them, wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy. And will cause him to come near unto him, even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do. Take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself and to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them? And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee and seek ye the priesthood also? For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we do come to you now because, Father, we believe this is the most important time of our service. Father, it's because your word is opened. Father, I realize that I have nothing that I can give these people that would help them, but Father, your word does. And I pray that you would use every word that I say and that you would give it to me, Father, that it might be a help to these people. And Father, that we might leave hear all of us differently than when we came. And Father, that we would all have ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning. Father, we look to you now, and we, we pray that you would help us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever experienced division in your life? Ever experienced division 
in your life. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe you broke up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or um, maybe your friend moved away. You know, have you ever experienced division? Maybe you were divided on a team at one point. You know, I, um, I was fairly good at sports. I wasn't always the first one picked, but I wasn't always the last one picked, right? And uh, some of you were the last ones picked, I understand. Um, but those people that are the last ones picked, I am sure they feel a little bit of division on the team. And, you know, they just don't feel like they're wanted on the team. I remember actually the first time I was ever the last one picked, one time. And I was like, man, I don't like this at all. And uh, I was with a lot of good people that were playing very well. So maybe it was on a, a team. Maybe it was a division at work. Maybe you were, uh, you know, set aside for a time. Maybe you were uh, fired. Maybe you were, were changing teams. I don't know what it was, but most of us have experienced division in some way. Maybe it was division at a church. Maybe you left a church. Maybe you um, felt some division against somebody here in our church. And I, I would assume that most of us all in some way, some shape or form have experienced some sort of division in your life. And I think if you sit down and think about it, you would agree to that. Those divisions, though, they have a tendency to cause us to take a good look at ourselves and understand what, what is it, where do I stand, and we scrutinize ourselves and what decisions we have made up until this point. And if it's a, uh, a division in a relationship, you think, how could I have done things better? Or how could I have reacted better? Or you begin to scrutinize yourself just a little bit, and that, I think that's a good thing. And so I want to look at the scrutiny of division this morning. If you want to write something down, here's the quote I have for today. Pressure eliminates indifference. Pressure eliminates indifference. The children of Israel have just lost out on the promised land. Okay, just history. Here we go. They were at the promised land. They could have gone in. They did not. They try again without the Lord's help. They do not go in. The plague comes. God's trying to restore them into a, a supreme or a superior relationship with him. And here they are. They're standing here. And they're beginning to separate themselves unto God. But they run into a little hiccup along the way. Korah. By the way, if you're in prime time, this is our next lesson. So pay attention. See if you can pick up something, all right? We're going through Jude, and Jude mentions the gainsaying of Kor. And this is where the Bible talks about it. So Korah is a Levite. That's important to understand. He's a Levite. Dathan and Abiram, they're Reubenites. They decide to cause a little trouble among the children of Israel. There's much to be learned from this passage of Scripture, I believe, but for today's message, I just want to show you three steps that result in the scrutiny of division. We could, this is a long passage. We could spend a lot of time here, but just for today, I want to show you three things that will, will three steps, if you will, that will result in the scrutiny of a division. So number one, I want to look at the accusation. The accusation. Look at verses one to three with me again. Now, Korah the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and An, the, sons of, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Watch this now, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them, wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. 
So the accusation, I believe, is pretty clear. Korah comes to Moses and Aaron, tells them that they are taking too much responsibility. You're taking too much responsibility, Moses and Aaron. You shouldn't have that much responsibility. And you are, and he says, in, in, wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Why, why are you lifting yourselves up above the congregation of the Lord? Why are you putting yourselves on a pedestal? I mean, you're taking too much upon you. And, and, and then that's just Korah in what he says. Now, let's jump down a little bit into the passage. Go to uh, verse 12. This is now Dathan and Abiram. And they, Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. So he calls them. Hey, Dathan and Abiram, I, I, I want to see you. And they will not come up. No, we're not coming up. And here's what they say. Is it a small thing? That thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness. Except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. Verse 14, moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey. Or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. So basically they're saying, listen Moses. You said that you were going to bring us into a land that flows with milk and honey, and you haven't. You said that we were going to have an inheritance with this land, and we're going to have fields that we could work in and do all these things in, and you have not given that to us. And now what are you going to do when we come up? Are you going to put our eyes out? You, you, You make yourself a prince over us? Who do you think you are, Moses and Aaron? Nathan and Abiram blame Moses for keeping them out of the promised land. An absolute crazy accusation. And they blame him for promoting himself above the rest of the people. I want you to notice two characteristics, though, about the accusation. And this happens an awful lot, so pay attention to them. Number one, one of the characteristics is this. They changed the authority. They changed the authority. Who was the one who chose Moses and Aaron to be the leaders of Israel? Anybody? God. God did. It was not Moses and Aaron. In fact, I think if Moses would have had his way, which I believe we can see very clearly through scripture, he would not have chosen to be the leader of Israel. In fact, he said many times, I can't do it. I won't do it. I don't want to do it. I, I, God, I, why did you put me in front of this, these people? All they do is murmur and complain. I don't want to be here. I don't think it was his choice. He didn't want to be the leader. And then because Moses was so uncompliant in, uh, at the burning bush, God says, I'm going to make Aaron your mouthpiece. And so God is the one who puts them in charge. So they've changed the authority. Look, look at what they say again. They say, you have, make thyself altogether a prince over us. Verse 3, um, wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. They're, they're changing the authority from God to man. God placed them in that role. You see, these men had to change the authority. They had to. They had to change the authority from God to man. They had to if they were going to do what it was that they wanted to do. So, Pastor Yeomans, why in the world did they have to change the authority? I want you to see the second point in the accusation. The second point is then they challenged the authority. Okay? You cannot challenge a perfect authority. 
You see, if God's your authority and if God is your supreme relationship and God is that one in which you pay attention to and that's all you care about, you don't challenge God. So what you have to do is you have to take authority from God and you have to place it upon someone else so that you can blame them. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Satan already tried to challenge God's authority. You realize that? That's why Satan was kicked out of heaven. He tried to challenge God's authority. He wanted to put the authority upon himself. And so in order to change or challenge the authority, you must change the authority. If Satan could not conquer Christ, then why would Dathan and Abiram and Korah try? They knew. People do this all the time. We do this all the time. We change the authority of God and say, we don't believe in a God so that we can manipulate the things that we want to do. Do you ever see that in our society? You see our society say, oh, there is no God because now I don't have to answer to that God. If I say there is no God and I believe there is no God, then I don't have to answer to that God. And so I can do whatever I want. I can walk the way I want to walk and I can talk the way I want to talk and I can do the things that I want to do. You see, when you believe in a God and you trust in a God, then you begin to start acting differently. And so we see this over and over and over and over again. And we've seen this in our church. Scary to think about, but you change authority in order to challenge authority. And so this is exactly what they do. Korah and his crew don't want to go toe-to-toe with God. Korah and his 250 princes, they don't want to fight against God. Why? Because you're going to lose. I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious. So what do they do? They think, okay, God is not the authority here. Moses and Aaron, they're the authority. They've put themselves above them. We want to attack them, and we want to have more authority. And Moses points it very, out very clearly. He says, you take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. You're trying to get the upper hand, and it's not the right thing. And so they begin to challenge that authority. They wanted to attack, I believe, they wanted to attack someone in whom they thought they could defeat. Let's face it. Humanly, on a human level, most of us think we're better than everybody else. Be honest with me. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Thank you for laughing. We do. We think, because we think we have, we can do something better, we have something better, we have all these things, purely on a fleshly basis. Okay, now that's not godly, that's not good at all, but if we were to be honest with ourselves, most of us think that we can do something better, and if I want to, I can try to manipulate and turn and try to get the edge over top of somebody. We talk about it in climbing the corporate ladder. You sometimes you got to lie, sometimes you got to cheat, sometimes you got to manipulate, sometimes you got to put somebody down so that you can defeat them. And so those are things that you want to do, but remember our series is called Conquer with Christ or Conquer through Christ, excuse me. And so we'll see that though you are human and though, yes, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram had many people on their side and they thought they had the upper hand, we'll see that something changed. I want you, number two, look at the attitude. What was the attitude? Again, look at Numbers chapter 16. Look at verse 3. I don't know if you picked up on this, but this is very interesting to me. Chapter, chapter 16, verse 3, the Bible says, And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. Watch this now. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, 
and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Is it a true statement that all the congregation is holy? No, we just, got, we just went through this. They were going up into the land and God put a, brought a plague to them. And so no, they're not holy. Now let me ask you, he even says every one of them. Now as I look across this room, I think most of you are holy, upright people. And I think that's great, but now we're talking about two million people. Do you think every one of them was holy? I know. I mean, the odds are no. And I think based on Scripture, we can easily see that. Now, let me ask you a second question. Was the Lord among them? Was that a true statement? I believe so. I believe the Lord, it was his people. So, they, again, this is how Satan works all the time. Please understand this. He takes a little bit of truth and just twists it just a little bit. Every time. Every time he will do that with you and you'll be like, well, it has most of the truth in there. And takes it and he just twists it just a little bit. So yes, the Lord was among them. That's a good thing. But they were not holy. They were not right before God. There's a plague. in. in, in they just got through a plague. And so these people are not holy. Their attitude was one of pride. They thought of themselves higher than they ought to think. And again, they're lumping themselves in with that. Hey, Moses and Aaron, we're holy too. I mean, we're leaders of the holy people. The attitude is simply pride. It's an attitude of pride. Would you not agree that we have this problem as well? Absolutely. We think that we are better than so-and-so. Boy, I, I remember doing this when I was a kid all the time, even spiritually. When I went to, uh, I'm going to give you a whole lot of information about me that you probably don't want to use. When I went to Bible college, I, I went to a Christian school. And I, I tried to be a holy, upright person, and I tried to do the right things, and I tried to live my life properly. And I've already told you a couple stories about how I tried to make some things right and different things. And so I went to Bible college with this thought. I already know everything. So why am I going to Bible college? Not that I thought that I could teach everybody everything there was to know, but I thought... Man, I, I'm, I'm going to do really well in Bible college is basically what I thought. My, fir, my freshman year, I took a class by the name of hermeneutics. And I, for those of you who have no idea what that is, it's basically Bible study and how to study the Bible. And, and yeah, it was, a, it was a fourth year class, and I took it my freshman year. Blow, my mind was blown. From that moment on, I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. I learned so much in that class of what I didn't know I know or know I knew. And so we, we get this <laughs> proud and we think I'm better than, and I would look across my high school class and think I'm better than that person. Or look across my college class and go, I'm better than, I know, I know more than that person. And I was constantly, constantly comparing myself against them and constantly going back and forth and saying, I'm better than they are. Terrible thing to do. We think that often we have our lives figured out. And sometimes we think, I've got the world by the horns. I can do what I want with it, and I can manipulate it, and I can turn it, and I can make it what I want it to be. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians with me. Most of you probably know where I'm going. In comparing ourselves, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 
and verse 12. The Bible says this, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. So here you go. Now let's think about it. Let's be very honest with ourselves. If we are fleshly and we're comparing ourselves among ourselves, did Korah, Dathan, and Abiram have some qualifications? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly they were probably good men. At least Korah we know was a Levite. He was of of the family of Kohath. And during prime time, we'll get into that just a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, yes, they had some qualifications. Did they have better qualifications than Moses and Aaron? Quite possibly. And so on a fleshly level, they could compare themselves and put themselves, but that's not wise. Let's continue to verse 13. Paul says this, But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. You see, he says we will measure ourselves according as God measures us. So he's, you know what he's doing? He's recognizing the supplier. He's saying, listen, God is the one. I don't, it doesn't matter if I'm better qualified. It doesn't matter. God is the one who's placed us in this position, and I'm going to recognize that. I'm going to respect that. And so we see their attitude. I believe the problem is still the same as every other week that we've been talking. The problem is this. They have not recognized that God is the leader. They have not recognized that God is the one who's placed these men in authority. They have not recognized that it's God the sustainer of all. They have not recognized that the power to conquer does not come from having better things or better credentials. It doesn't matter. It's about God. The power comes from God. They have not recognized that the designation of leadership comes from God. They still have not gotten it. And folks, you may be sitting here today thinking, yeah, I still haven't gotten it. I I still don't realize how important God is in my life. Let me tell you, without God, you can do nothing. Nothing. I know you think you can, but you can't. You can compare yourselves among yourselves all you want, and you can be smarter, and you can be better, and you can be stronger, and you can be whatever you want better than the other person, but you can do nothing without God. You will try, you will fight, you will scrim, you will save, you will do all you can, but we cannot do anything. And number three, I want to show you this. God's about to make a statement. I want to show you the annihilation. Now, as a young kid, I thought this was a great word. The older I get, the more it scares me. Basically, what happens here in our passage is they have a contest. They have a contest to see who is God going to choose. And so Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, they all go to one side and they have their 250 princes or people with them and they are going to make a stand and all of them have censers, which is basically a rod with fire in it with some um, incense in it. And this was a tool that was used in the Levitical ways and the things that they were supposed to do in the temple. And so they all have them and then there's Moses and Aaron, a few of their followers on this side. And so they have their censors, and the the contest is basically whoever God chooses will be the ones who are holy. We're going to see who's holy. And so we see the annihilation 
But I want you to notice something. That Korah somehow has gotten the entire congregation on his side. The entire congregation. Look at Numbers chapter 16. Look at verse 23. Actually, look at verse 19. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle. So he gets everybody against the the true men of God, which we know to be Moses and Aaron. He gets everybody against them. And again, God wants to destroy them. Moses and Aaron bow down and say, God, don't destroy them. In verse 23, though, the Bible says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. You see, so these men are so full of pride that he says, Get away from them. They get everybody on their sides, and God says, Get away from them. Don't even be, get near them, because God is going to do something. And I believe God does something. And so verse 27, so they gat up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram, on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, watch this, hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after their visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. So if they just die a normal death, then I'm not the one. Verse 30, but if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that pertain unto them, and they go down quickly into the pent, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass as he made an end of speaking all these words, that the crown clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods, they and all they that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And I love this, verse 34, and all the Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. See, God annihilates them. But you know what? I believe God does two things here. God annihilates sin from the camp. Sin must be rectified. We talked about that last week. We must get sin right. And God has a way of getting sin right. In this case, now, I don't know necessarily that if God will open up the earth anymore, I'm not sure that he'll do that, but in this case, God does. God literally, at that moment, opens up the earth, they are swallowed up in the earth, and the earth closes back upon them. That is incredible. Now, I'm not sure that God will do that, but know this, your sin will be judged. Whatever your sin is, it will be judged. It may not be judged today. It may not be judged tomorrow. You may get away with it today. You may get away with it tomorrow. But there is coming a day when sin will be judged. And folks, if we're going to conquer, we must conquer through Christ. Sin must not be in the camp. So he annihilates sin. But I want you to notice the second thing that I believe he does. I believe that God annihilates 
anyone who is indifferent. As you will remember, we said that pressure eliminates indifference. Pressure eliminates indifference. Do you realize that every person in this moment chose a side? Every person. The Bible says that all the congregation and then there was the elders of Israel. Every person out of two million people chose a side. Pressure eliminates indifference. And so God annihilates indifference. Listen, you're going to have to choose a side. And so these people choose a side and God, this is what God says. I'm going to take out every person in the camp. Moses and Aaron begged God not to do so. Then he says, well, they better get away then because I'm going to open up the earth and they're going to be swallowed up. And so sure enough, they do. But the story doesn't end there. I want you to notice what else has happened. Those who won this contest were the ones with God on their side. Wow, mind-blowing piece of information, isn't it? No, we all, we all understand that. We all get that, but do we live that? Do we understand that God, when God is on our side, it doesn't matter who stands in front of us. It doesn't matter if the congregation of Israel is against us. The fact of the matter is, if we have God's, God on our side, we will conquer. We cannot conquer, though, if we are indifferent. If, Pastor Yeomans, I believe in God. I believe that, you know, he saved me. I'm just not convinced that he can deal with the problem that I have. I'm just, you know, I'm just indifferent to it. You realize that you will never conquer if you're indifferent. You will never conquer if you are indifferent. The fact of the matter is here, Korah and Dathan and Abiram, they weren't indifferent. They weren't absolutely, they were absolutely not indifferent. They were the complete opposite side of the coin. I don't believe we have anybody in here today that's the complete opposite of what we're doing. And that's why I want to focus in on this, the children of Israel here. Because at some point, they were just, which side do I choose? What, what do I do? You know? And God starts putting pressure on them. You're going to choose. You're going to choose me or you're going to choose them. Somebody's going to choose and we're going to get this taken care of today. Again, the story does not stop. The children of Israel continue to not get it. Look at verse 41. All of this stuff happens. Things go awry, verse 41, but on the morrow, so the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses, watch this, and against Aaron saying, Why? ye have killed the people of the Lord. What? They still don't get it. They still don't understand that man cannot open up the earth and close it back. They don't get it. They don't get that. Moses and Aaron didn't lay a finger on them. They don't get that Moses and Aaron did not want them to do this. And they blame Moses and Aaron for, watch, killing the people of the Lord. These were God's people. You killed them. Well, no, they were proud and they were working. The Bible, the Bible talks about people that, children of Belial. And that's exactly what these people were. They weren't working for God. And so they blame them. They make another accusation. They still don't see God working. And then the annihilation just continues. Look at verse 46. And Moses and Aaron take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on the incense and go quickly 
unto the congregation and make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. So God says, no, you are going to know that I am God, that I am the one who's doing this. So plague is begun, and Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation, and behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put it on incense and made an atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Watch this, verse 49. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700. Beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. The plague was stayed 14,000 more people die. So we're not just talking about annihilation of sin and annihilation of people. God's trying to annihilate the fact that no, you cannot be indifferent. No, choose you this day whom you will serve. Is it going to be yourselves or is it going to be God? God is most definitely concerned about making his people realize who he is. And folks, I, I honestly believe this. I believe God brings things into your life, trials and tribulations, to get you to see who he is. And to get you to say, I need to trust God more. Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm convinced of that. Pressure eliminates indifference. I believe that we cannot conquer. We will not conquer unless we choose. We choose to side with Christ. I'm going to take you to one last passage, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. This ties into our story so well. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, there are people, and I, perhaps people in this church today that are virtually saying God I've been doing things in your name I've been doing things for the Bible Baptist Church for you God I've been doing things in your name but he says listen you didn't do it through me you were indifferent you, and I believe this is talking about people who are unsaved, but I believe we can apply the same. But verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You see, when you have Christ, you're founded on a rock. 
And the waves and the winds and the floods are going to come and you're going to stand firm. But if God is not your foundation, if you do not have God, if you do not spend time with God and you do not conquer and you do not live through Christ, the winds and the rains and the floods are going to come and you're going to be fall flat on your face. And you're going to be wondering, what in the world? I had done the things that I was supposed to do. But you did not do it through Christ. I believe some of us have ridden the fence too long. Ah, I think there's something good in it, but I'm just not going to commit fully to it. Ah, you know, I, li- I love the Bible Baptist Church, and I, I, I attend there, and I, I do some things there, but it's time that I figure out which side I'm going to stand on. Which side I'm going to get on. Now I'm going to be indifferent anymore. Because someday the winds are going to come. They're going to put a pressure on you. And it's going to eliminate indifference. And you're either going to fall or you're going to stand. The ones who stand are the ones whose foundation is Christ. Folks, I challenge you today. Get off the fence. Revelation chapter 2 tells us about a church who was lukewarm. They weren't hot, they weren't cold, but they were lukewarm. God said, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Why? Because you think that you're rich. You think you have everything. You, you, You compare yourselves among yourselves, but you don't realize that you don't have me because you're, and you're really, you're poor you're miserable, you're, you're wretched, and you're blind, and you're naked. You don't realize that without me, ye have nothing. Folks, I challenge you. I don't know. I think I know most of you. But maybe today you're on the fence. Maybe you're saying, you know, I'm just indifferent. I'm just like the people of, of Israel. You know what? If Moses stands up and says he's of the Lord, then fine. But if Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rise up and say they're of the Lord, then fine with that too. I'm just, I'm just indifferent. It just doesn't matter to me. Folks, we need church. We need people that will say, I'm going to choose a side because I want to conquer. Because if you do not choose, physically choose Christ, if you do not choose him, you won't conquer. You'll continue to struggle. You'll continue to flounder. You'll continue to go through your life just wondering. Today is the day to get off the fence. Today is the day to begin seriously looking within yourselves and considering where you are going and what you are doing. You see, as we begin to continue to study this, God is preparing them for a time in which in 40 years they will conquer. They will conquer. This is just one step in that. Again, don't, don't be indifferent. Let's get on a side. Let's do what we need to do. You will never conquer whatever it is in your life unless you do it through Christ.